I cannot tell you how excited I am to once again be in the presence of greatness. <laughs> a man was the 1990 number one overall pick. I was the 48th. He was number one. There's a reason for that. <laughs> he ended up playing his entire career for one organization, and that is America's team, the Atlanta Braves. He's a 2018 Hall of Famer, eight-time All-Star, World Series champion, batting champion, and a runner-up to being a batting champion, and we'll get into that. And he is just one of those cool guys that he just finds a way to kick it with you, and no matter where you're at or what's going on, he is the Hall of Famer, Chipper Jones. Chipper, how you doing today, brother? My man, I'm doing great. It's good to be with you. Yeah, good to be with you too. Before we get into your accolades, as I just read those things off, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, I think it was about a year and a half, two years ago, you were about to get into broadcasting and you and I were having some conversations about that. And then all of a sudden, actually it was last year, all of a sudden COVID hits and then you get, you have to change everything around. I'm like, how did my man not be able to get into the hospice, I mean the hospice, the uh, uh, analyst and being able to be on TV and get your job done and having fun. And I'm like, now my man can't even do it. What happened? What happened? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a tough year last year from the standpoint of, you know, especially being my first year and just kind of getting my first taste of it, um, but having to do it remotely. Um, it had its, uh, it, its, challenges you know i think um with book shiambi and i you know being in the booth uh we we had worked together before a little bit and it wasn't so bad but the the bad thing about doing it remotely uh, <clears throat> and uh, and i mean you're looking at my set right here from from where i did the broadcast last year you can only see what comes on the monitor all right. So basically what everybody at home is seeing, that's all I can see. You can't see what's going on in the bullpen. If somebody gets up, you can't see if there's a fight in the dugout unless the camera shows it, you know, right. and you're just not able to be as uh, thorough and as um, clued into what's the atmosphere around the ballpark when you're sitting in your office doing it from here. And when you have three guys doing it, like we had, you know, probably half a time with myself and Bukshiambi and Rick Sutcliffe. Now you, though the challenges are you kind of stepping on each other from time to time because there's a second, second and a half delay, and uh, just really takes away from the from the quality of the broadcast. I was really thinking seriously about not coming back to ESPN um, this year because we were still going to be doing it remotely. And then when, when Bukshiambi got the Chicago Cubs job, it really made my decision pretty, pretty, pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I was looking forward to it because I know the relationship that you and Boog have and, and, and the fact that Rick, Rick Sutcliffe also was in there and he would always join into the fun and you made listening to the broadcast uh, worth the while. I mean, obviously there's a lot of talented guys out there, but when you bring that perspective like you were doing and do it so freely, those were the cool moments. But speaking of that, during that transition, after you decided that you weren't going to do ESPN games, you decided to get back into the coaching realm, so to speak. And I know you did it as a consultant 
and you and I, we, we, we text a lot and go back and forth and uh, we'll hit each other up on, on Twitter when we see all this crazy nonsense in the coaching <laughs> at the lower levels of, of learning how to hit. And then you go back and you watch a couple of your videos when you were talking in the dugout, when you were still playing in the cages, you were given the real about the swing. So when you go back and talk to these younger players that are all talking about exit velocity and they're looking to see how to lift and separate, but their averages, you are a batting champion for God, for God's sake. And you sit there and you go, that's, it's not all that it's going to get up there and barrel up the baseball and, and yeah. you continue to push that narrative. So talk about some of the things you've talked to your players about. Yeah, I think it's important for a hitting coach whenever they, they sit down and talk to a particular hitter is to find out where their head's at, what what they want to be as a hitter. You know, I mean, some guys, they may want to stand on the plate and yank, you know, and, and try and hit 35, 40 home runs. So if, if that's what they want to do, then I'm wasting my time you know, trying to sit there and get them to hit the ball from foul pole to foul pole and drive the ball up, you know, the left center field gap. So that's the first question I always ask. What kind of hitter do you want to be? Do you want to be a complete foul pole to foul pole hitter or do you want to stand on the plate and yank? And, you know, in all fairness, probably 95% of the guys that I talk to or ask that question say, hey, I want, you know, I want to be a complete hitter. (laughs) Oddly enough, the one guy that, that actually said, Chip, man, I want to stand on the plate and yank homer after homer after homer was Brian McCann, all right? <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, we're going to make the outside corner, the middle of the plate. You're going to stand right on top of the plate, and you're going to bail and wail, bro. I mean, it's pretty simple <laughs> as far as you're concerned. Oddly enough, he comes back, you know, three or four years later to the Braves, and the very first time I got him in the cage, he goes, ask me the question again. And he <laughs> – and I asked him, and he said, I want to hit the ball from foul pole to foul pole. I go, it's too late. You're 36 <laughs> years old, man. Come on. Uh, but, we, you know, we worked with him. He had a good season for us. You know, the, the, the main thing is, like you said, you know, if, if you're going to sit there and batting practice and you're going to get 10 pitches down the middle, okay, where are you going to center the most – of those 10 pitches? Are you going to center them hooking the ball around the left field foul pole? Or are you going to center more of them um, trying to hit the ball through the center field wall or through the off gap? And every guy says, you know, these guys are so good, man. They, they, they could center eight, nine, sometimes 10 out of 10 if they stay inside the baseball and try to hit the ball through the center field wall. Whenever things start going sideways is when they try and hook the ball around the left field foul pole. So if that's the case, why would your approach change during the game? Right. If you're going to center more balls up the middle and the other way, why would that change? And and that's when you start to see some of the light bulbs go off in some of their in some of their minds. So I'm glad you say that when you when you try to break them down and, and get their mindset going to those gap to gap and foul pole to foul pole. And the Atlanta Braves, obviously, uh, uh, that organization continues to have talent after talent after talent. And you look at a guy like Freddie Freeman, who for a long time, to me, I thought he was just a pull, pull, pull kind of guy. 
but then he's hitting the opposite field home runs. Acuna's doing the exact same, that entire lineup. So when, when you talk to those types of players and, and obviously they respect it and admire your opinion on a lot of things. And now you're doing the consulting part of it as a hitting instructor. But when those guys are in the cage and having that conversation with you, what are, what are some of the details that they tell you that they're looking to do? Oh, I think it varies. Um, obviously, Freddie, Freddie, you know, was up under my wing for the first three years of his career. So I was, you know, he 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 does things pretty much the same way I do. You know, what I mean, in batting practice, I don't give two rats asses about hitting no home run in batting practice. I don't give two rats asses about hitting a home run in spring training. What I'm trying to do is drive the ball through the infield, through the outfield, you know, up into uh, up to the gaps. And I feel like if if you are in a position to be able to hit that fastball on the outside corner to the off gap, you are in a perfect position to hit every pitch. OK, where you get in trouble is when you start looking middle end, looking to yank. Now you are not in position to hit every pitch, okay? I can uh, sit fastball on the outside corner and still be in a perfect position to uh, clip that slider or hanging change up for a strike to the, to the pull gap, you know? So if you're in a position, uh, a better position to hit the fastball on the outside corner and that gets you in a spot where you can adjust to other pitches as well, Again, why would you not take that approach? Now, I have absolutely no problem with you saying, okay, I got DeGrom pitching against me, okay? Right. Freddie Freeman knows that at some point he's going to come in on him, all right? He's got he's to come in on him to keep him, uh, to keep him honest, yep. all right? I got no problem with you switching up your, your approach from pitch to pitch as long as um, your – base mindset your base thought process your base swing is out there it's on the outside corner because that allows you to see the ball longer that allows you to make more adjustments to uh off-speed pitches that are strikes so most of the time guys have to experience that a little bit i know i'm i'm new getting to some of these guys um but i am harping on them big time to stay from gap to gap so let me, so you said that, you know, there's some new guys that you were working with that, that you didn't get a chance to take under their wings. And the thing that I like the most, Chip, and, and you know this as well as anybody, I mean, hell, you, you, like I said, you've been in the big leagues forever, Hall of Famer, and, and you've done it throughout your career. You got a career 300, average 303 to be exact. But you sit there and you go, all you have to do is be successful <laughs> three out of 10 times and you could play the game a long time. And I was, I, I was calling a high school game the other day and I'm, I was so frustrated calling this game because nobody attacks fastballs anymore. And it's like, you're trying, I, I don't think, know a lot of people that made their money hitting curveballs. you know <laughs> what I'm saying as a hitter. So yeah. when you talk to these young kids about being aggressive in the zones, getting to it and staying long through it. It's, it's, it's so frustrating. Is baseball, the analytics that are involved in it, is it going too much to those analytics? And are we missing the purity of the game anymore? 
Uh, I can't speak to the purity of the game, but I can speak to the fact that, uh, you know, guys are throwing harder. How about this? The analytics show that guys are throwing harder nowadays and throwing the fastball less. Right. If you can believe that. I mean, they're throwing 100 miles an hour, 100 mile an hour plus and throwing the fastball less. Now, for me, I don't care. All right. Because here's the thing. I'll ask hitters what pitch they want to put in play uh, when they walk up to the plate and they look at me, they're like, huh? You know, I'm like, do you want to hit a fastball? Do you want to hit a change up? Do you want to hit a breaking ball? And then it'll click and they'll go, well, I'd like to hit a fast. Okay. Well, if you want to hit a fastball, then you go up there hunting a fastball and don't miss it. All right. You know, part of it, they're 25% is, mechanics 25 percent is approach the other 50 percent guess what that is execution you have to execute your mechanics are sound your approach is sound now we got to get your execution to be sound and if you're up there hunting a specific pitch and not being on the defensive trying to cover all three pitches your uh chances of of executing uh when you do get that pitch go up exponentially yeah so we're talking to hall of famer chipper jones chipper jones 1990 number one overall draft pick with the atlanta braves played his entire season with one organization that is rare nowadays it seems like everybody wants to go where the money is but chipper has done a great job and continues to give back to the atlanta braves organization so chip you know the nl east there's so much talent up and down that east that it's going to be it's going to be tough again this year. The Braves, they're bringing back a great pitching staff. They can hit the baseball. They got one of the most exciting players in the game, in uh, Acuna, playing center field. And not only that, you talked about Freddie Freeman, but when you look at the Braves team and how they match up in the East, is it the Braves again, or is there going to be more noise made in New York with uh, with the Mets now that they've got Lindor? <clears throat> Uh, Lindor is certainly a, a hell of a player. Um, good buddy of mine from the, the, the same area, Central Florida, is Jacob DeGrom. I know him really well. He's, you know, he, he's probably <laughs> as good as it gets as a starter no right doubt. now. Look, they're, they're going to be good. Um, the Phillies are going to be good. You know, Harp and, and Nola and, you know, all those guys up there. Uh, Girardi's a, a hell of a coach. Um, you know, Washington under Davey Martinez. I think Soto's going to be a perennial VP candidate. He is a just an absolute beast. Yes. Uh, you know, and then you, you talk about their pitching staff and Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin. I mean, they they got some it, – yeah, it's, it's going to be strong. The whole key for the Atlanta Braves, I think they're still – the front runner, um, our, our starting staff is stout, with, you know, especially when we get Soroka back. Yeah. You're going to have Soroka and Freed and Charlie Morton and uh, uh, Ian Anderson. Uh, Drew Smiley came over on a one-year deal. So the top five are stout. Um, I think if the Braves stay healthy in the starting staff and in the starting lineup, they're going to be tough to beat where they're going to points of emphasis where we could struggle would be if 
you know, we overexposed the bullpen. Um, I think, you know, one big move in the bullpen or maybe two solid moves in the bullpen could make even that a strength. Um, but if, if <clears throat> Freddie goes down, if Acuna goes down, if Ozuna goes down um, for an extended period of time, um, the bench is, is a place that I see uh, that, that really needs to be, you know, probably upgraded a little bit by the, by the time the season's over, certainly by uh, the trade deadline. Um, but, you know, if, if we stay healthy and, and, you know, those guys go out and play 155, 160 games a year, the Braves are going to be tough to beat. Are you, are, are you coming back? Are you coming back off the bench? You're going to be, you're going to get that bat off the bench, Chip? I don't, I don't know that they got them 10 day contracts like they do in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, I could probably take a couple of swings and maybe run down to first, but I doubt I'd be able to get out of bed. The day <laughs> That's what I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you about that. So you get down there and I know you're working with all these players and, you, but I know you step in that box every once in a while and get a couple of cuts just to see how you feel. I know you play a lot of golf, so you probably yeah. stretch out, you yeah. get a chance to do it, but just being back at spring training this past year and working with all those kids, I mean, I know being away from the game, it drives me nuts a little bit. And and you obviously played at the highest level for the longest time. And I know it still gets at you because I've seen some pictures of you when you're at the ballpark and you just look like you you ready to go still. <laughs> well, I'd be lying if I said um, during the midst of one of my tutorials in the cage, that you know, and, and you know, the T was probably my biggest best friend yep. when I was and because the T will tell you everything you need to know about where your swings at you know and and that's where I work on that base swing and here I am eight and a half years retired and I can go out and challenge 95 percent of the guys that come in that cage I'll put 10 balls on a T and I'll challenge them I'll say I bet I can hit more line drives into the back of the cage than you can. And I've been retired for eight and a half years. And <laughs> probably the only one that could give me a run for my money is Freddie because he and I, you know, the the T is Freddie's best friend too. So, you know, we, we could sit there and go swing for swing, but it's, you know, it's like riding a bike. You, you know, you've done, you've, made that swing so many hundreds of thousands of times, maybe even a million times right? course of a 23 year career that that just never leaves you. And you talk about it too. You know, once you get back on that slot, you find that slot angle that you need yep. and becomes yep. like repetition. It's just that, like, like down to it, up through it. Down yeah. to it, up through it. You know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's why, that's why I like talking to you about this kind of stuff because you know, a lot of people don't have the access, obviously, that you and I have had throughout our careers and and listening to those conversations in the dugout. And that's one of the biggest things that I always try to teach kids is when you're playing any sport, whether it's football, basketball, soccer, hockey, whatever your sport of choice is, you need to pay attention to the ones that have done it in front of you for a long time. 
Because if you could sit next to a Chipper Jones or you could sit next to a Marquise Grissom or Moises Alou and just take it all in and the Cliff Floyds and just take it all in, you sit there and you say, man, these guys have done it this way for so long. Why am I trying to go against the grain, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why am I trying to, to, to reinvent the wheel when – it's sitting right here in front of me, and all I got to do is just take it all in. I know the last time I talked you know, to you. Go ahead. You know, you know as well as I do that um, you can sit there and talk to, you know, 15 kids sitting in front of you, and you can tell the ones that are really sponging it up and soaking it up, and you can tell the ones that already think they got to figure it out, and you're talking to the back of their skull. You know what I mean? So th those are the guys, hey – You'll, you'll try, you know, and if they come back, you'll keep trying. But normally those are the ones that don't come back. The ones that, that are locked in on you, that are sponging everything, that are really taking everything in. Those are the guys that you really enjoy working with. Yeah, it's just like that Cam Newton situation where he was at the working. It was his camp that he put on for someone. And this kid was like, you're not even playing. Why am yeah. I listening to you? And it's like, why are you at his camp? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, this yeah. dude is an MVP. This dude has yeah. done it, and you're disrespecting him at his own yeah. camp, and now you're the one that's being embarrassed. Won a national championship, played in a Super Bowl, won an MVP. Yeah. yeah. You might want to shut up and listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. No doubt. We're talking to Chip Jones right here on the Hard Knocks Live podcast. And, Chip, you know, I want to I change gears a little bit. You're a huge you live in the Atlanta area still, so obviously I believe that you're a Falcons fan at times, but you're also University of Georgia, and you, you, you're you from Florida. So whenever <laughs> football season comes around, how do you decide who you're rolling with during those times? Oh, I'm a, uh, I, I'm a Gator at heart. You know, that's, that's where my roots are. I, I think if Florida and Georgia are playing – uh, I'm definitely, you know, on the Florida side. But like you said, being here in Atlanta and rooted here since 1992, I mean, man, we're going on 30 years here in the city. Um, I'm a, <clears throat> at heart, you know, a Steeler fan uh, in the AFC, but certainly the NFC, I am a Falcon. Love, absolutely love, um, you know, uh, going to games and watching the games, Matty Ice, Julio Jones, developed great friendships with them through the years. Uh, the Hawks as well. Dominique and I are, are really tight. So I want to stay loyal to, you know, my peeps here in Atlanta. Um, when Georgia's playing Alabama or LSU or whatnot, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for him. I'm probably the only guy on the planet that can actually say I'm a dog and a Gator fan. <laughs> that would, that would be like you saying you're a, you're a Texas, what? Longhorn. I'm a Longhorn yeah. and a. Yeah, you're and a long. <laughs> you can't be, you can't be both, man. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I'm in a. <clears throat> I'm in a really unique situation here where, you know, um, I played in this city for a long time. When I, when I, you know, walk out of the house, I'm instantly recognized and I feel like it's my duty to, to push, you know, and, and 
promote the the area teams, even though I have my loyalties. Some <laughs> of my loyalties are elsewhere. Um, I always enjoy seeing. I mean, it was great to see Georgia Tech get into the basketball tournament and make a good run. And you're yeah. seeing some of those guys who had that success for for Georgia Tech this year, thinking about coming back and and you know running it back. You know, and and I just think that's great because. You know, the you know, especially from a from a hoop standpoint, Georgia Tech and Georgia have, have been on the struggle bus. <laughs> uh, so uh, but it, it's good to see. And, you know, hopefully the, the Falcons can get things turned around. The Hawks have a really good, exciting young ball club mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Trey Young and John Collins and those guys. So hopefully, you know, the, they can kind of follow the lead of the Braves, you know, getting to the postseason, having some success in the postseason, hopefully getting us another championship here in Atlanta. It's hard to believe it's been 25 years, 26 years now since we we brought the only championship to Atlanta, and uh, it's time to get another one. That's no doubt. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up, bringing the championships to Atlanta. You were on a World Series team that, uh, you know, the Braves were always in the mix, except for that one year. The strike year, there was gonna be a, there was gonna be a changing of the guard. <laughs> then we didn't have that strike chipper. There was gonna be a changing of the guard coming coming from a, a damn <laughs> Montreal Expo. Yeah, I figured out that from. <laughs> That's funny. But, but but every time every time I told you this a long time ago. Every time we get a chance to chop it up, man, I always have a lot of fun because the memories that are there. But when you sit here right now. I know that you've been traveling a lot. I know you've been doing the the spring training thing, but you also love to hunt. And last time I talked to you, you I believe you were on your way to go hunt up in Ohio or something like that. And then uh, you said that you were going to tell me some stories about your hunting trips. So I have some buddies of mine that actually used to hunt on your land when oh, you wow. had that land in Texas. Right. Uh, down south, uh, Jimbo Cotton and Mark Baker are, mm-hmm. are some of my good friends, and, and I hang out with them often, and they were talking about you having that land. I believe Klesko had some land down there too, right? <clears throat> yeah, there's a bunch of guys down uh, south of San Antonio, south yeah. of Austin, that have uh, you know a ton of land. It was probably my favorite place on the planet. Uh, I had 10,000 acres down there, and um, – but it was it was probably eight ten miles from the border, man. I wouldn't want to be there right now. <laughs> going on down, there, down there on the border. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is my parents were down there for sixteen years. My wife and I we moved down there uh, in two thousand, I think four, 14, 15, something like that, yeah. and we stayed there for a year. And man, it was just it, it was difficult to make it work. We were an hour. Uh, hour to Uvalde to get the kids to school, an hour back, an hour to go get them, an hour back, four hours on the road every day um, just to get the kids in, you know, to and from school. And, and man, it just, it, it wasn't working. And and my parents were getting up around 70 years old. And um, it just, just didn't make sense to have that place anymore. So I sold it in 2016, um, but loved every minute of it down there. Um, like you said, I've, I've had a TV, I've been on TV uh, on the Sportsman and uh, Sportsman's Channel and Outdoor Network for, let's uh, see, going on uh, uh, 19 years now, six or seven years with Buck Commander, Adam LaRoche and um, Willie Robertson and those guys. And then 
Matt Duff and I broke away and started our own thing called Major League Bowhunter. And uh, we just finished up filming for season 11. Man. And this upcoming year will be season 12. And we thoroughly enjoy it. We, we, we start in uh, New Mexico and Nebraska in September and um, chasing, spotting and stalking uh, elk and mule deer with our bows. And then we kind of chase the whitetail rut, you know, all the way back east. And we're in Oklahoma. We're in uh, Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, um, Kentucky, and Mississippi. So, um, yeah, it's, it's busy. Um, you know, but, uh, we have a blast doing it and, uh, who, you know, I mean, we, we ain't making any money off of it. (laughs) We're traveling all over the country, you know, just hunting for free. And, you know, I mean, last year was special for me because, um, got to take the wife out to Kansas and let her experience some of, um, you know, that Midwest hunting, which is a lot different than it is down here um in the deep south and uh she had a blast ended up um getting one with her bow you know so ain't nothing sexier than a hot blonde (laughs) with a bow and arrow busting something i mean i absolutely loved it it was (laughs) i had such a good time with her last year um so i'm looking forward to to doing that again well you need to come back down to texas and go down go down to the land and and hunt down there. And if you ever get back here to go hunting, you better make sure you give me a call because I got a lot of boys that will go love to go hunting with you. Um, Sounds good. They have a good time. So, Chip, it's always great chopping it up with you, my man. I appreciate the time as always. You got anything else you want to get out to the people to make sure that they uh, follow you? And and they're trying to – everybody keeps texting me, where can I send my stuff so Chip – Chipper Jones can sign something for me. I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know where to tell him to send it. I know, I know what place you better not send it. You better not send it to my house because you ain't getting it back. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first time I replied to a, a you know a piece of fan mail that sent to my house, then everybody gonna be sent because the word's gonna get out that this is really <laughs> my house and my address, and it's gonna be impossible for me to, you know, open my, or shut my, my, my mailbox. So don't <laughs> right. send, it, send it to the ballpark, send it to my agent, whatever, but uh, love for, um, to interact with people on social media, whether it's, you know, Twitter or uh, Instagram, those are the two platforms that I'm on the most. Obviously real CJ 10 is my handle on, uh, on both. I, and also, you know, at major league bow hunter, uh, on Instagram and, and, uh, and Twitter as well. So brothers, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. Always good to, to talk to you. I, I know we ain't got any hair anymore or we're wearing glasses and we can't dunk a basketball no more, but life is still good. You know, life is still good. We're above ground, baby. We're above ground. So I appreciate you, brother. Always good catching up. There he is. The man, the myth, the legend, the hall of famer. The real Chipper Jones. Thanks for tuning in to another Hard Knocks Life podcast, and we'll be back soon. Appreciate you. Peace.